0: Well, hello, thanks for joining us today. We're super excited about our time together. Uh, we are currently walking through uh, a, a message series called The Blessed Life. We're looking at uh, Matthew chapter five in your Bible. If you wanna read along, we'll have the passages uh, here as well. But we're talking about the blessed life and, and how the, the life that, that God wants us to live is, is often so contradictory to what the world says. But, but life is tough. And we, we struggle in so many different ways, and there's so many ups and downs to it all. It's it's easy to get stuck and to get kind of hesitant on what happens, and and it's easy to just kind of just sit in a place and go, I don't know what else to do. I will just keep going through the motions. But I don't think that that's the life that Jesus called us to live. I don't think that's the life that Jesus saved you to live. He gave His life for you and I, so that we could live in relationship with Him and see His glory on display in our lives. And so. We want to know how, like, where can we find this blessed life? Where are the instructions? Kind of where where do we find out uh, how to do this? And so we're going to look in Matthew chapter 5, the the passage that we're going to look through is called the Beatitudes. It's just before the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever recorded in the history of people. Uh, And and Jesus is speaking here. And the Beatitudes are are kind of a reminder that Jesus is really more concerned with what's going on inside of you than what's going on outside around you you. This is about the, Jesus having control in our lives and him wanting to speak through his word to us and us to understand that the attitude of our heart and soul is going to have to be very specific if we're going to be able to live out this Christian life and relate to Him rightly. And so, starting in Matthew chapter 5, just going to give you just this little bit to start off with. It says, When He, talking about Jesus, saw the crowds, He went up on the mountain, and after He sat down, His disciples came to Him, and He began to teach them. And He was saying, the poor in spirit are blessed for the kingdom of heaven is theirs in verse 3. It says the, those who mourn are blessed in verse 4 for they will be comforted. And in verse 5, where we'll spend some time today, it says the meek will be blessed and they will inherit the earth. And so I want to spend a couple minutes with you today just looking at and, and wrestling with and talking through together what is meekness? And I think there's, there's definitions that we can look at in all kinds of places. And, and here's the passage, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the passage we're going to use is Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And it says, the meek will be blessed, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so the meekness defined, here's the passage, and, and the definition of this is, is actually the opposite of weak. And there's a big difference between meek and weak. You see, weakness is defined in this way, the state or condition of lacking strength. The state or condition of lacking strength. And so weakness is not a goal for very many people. There aren't very many people, especially men, especially guys that say, you know, my goal in life is to be really weak. I really want to be a weak guy. That's really what I'm after. But I think if we, if we, if we look at Scripture and what Christ wants us, how he wants us to live, we can see that the definition of meekness is actually something that, that Jesus wants us to live out through his Holy Spirit working in and through us. And so the opposite of weak is meekness. The dictionary definition, the dictionary definition of meekness, not weakness, is quiet, gentle, easily imposed, submissive. And even in our culture today, words like that sometimes they, they, they don't resonate with people because they still see this. They see this as so close to weakness that you can't tell the difference. But I want us to understand today that there is a profound difference as we walk with Jesus, as we, as we go through life in meekness and weakness. Weakness, I don't know that we're called to be weak, but we are called to be meek. And so it's really more about horsepower. And, and, and so my, the, the reason I say that is just kind of a play on words, just a cheesy line. The Greek meaning of the word meek is a bit bridled horse. That's what that that's what that word actually means. And and, and it's a ho- a horse is a powerful animal. It's it's really strong, but with a bit in his mouth or her mouth, with a bit in the horse's mouth and the reins in the hand of a skillful rider, the the results amazing. Like it's so cool, I I know uh, back in the day when I was a younger guy, my father-in-law had uh, horses, cutting horses, and and as we'd ride those horses and try to separate one cow from a herd of cows, and the horse would move with that cow to to make sure that they stayed outside, whether that was for medical reasons, try to put medicine on the cow, branding, whatever those things were, but they do this in competition. And these horses are so graceful and so smooth to watch. And, and, and it's interesting to me that when they train these horses that they'd have spurs and, and when the horses and the reins and, and when they would ride and go this way and the cow would go back this way and the horse is supposed to go. early in the horse's training, they'll take the spurs and push on the side of this horse and pull the reins a little harder to get the horse to move. It's, it's interesting to me that a finished cutting horse, what they call it when it's ready for a, a higher level competitions, as they grow in their discipline, the motions and actions almost become second nature. It's so it, it really is graceful. It can be painful in the early days because there's so many stumbles and mistakes, but it's about staying the course. And I think... As we continue to learn and grow in Christ, as we, as we if you've said yes to him, if you have a relationship with Jesus, I think what happens is maybe early on, I know in my faith, I, early on, it took a little more for Jesus to get my attention to go, yeah, you want to do that, but I want you to do this. And so it's really about submitting myself and, and yourself to the control of Christ to say, I will submit my will to you. And, 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 and the older I get, I'm still stubborn and hard-headed, and I still make mistakes, but the older I get, I'm not very graceful in my movements these days, but, but I, I do know that as I move and grow as a disciple of Jesus, that the word of God and the spirit of God are active and alive inside of me and they, they, it t- maybe it takes less pressure for God to, to get my attention and for me to see what he wants me to do. So how does God define meekness? See, it's the total opposite of weak. This is, this is what it is. This is guided strength under control. This is guided strength under control, trusting god 's power and timing to work out every situation in the best way for his glory and for our good. And that may not always feel that way down here in our, in our lives, but we have this is where we are we have to totally trust that god 's strength is more important that god 's strength is more purposeful in our lives than than, our, than the strength of our than, than our strength for ourselves. See this is more than physical strength. This meekness is in every aspect of life. It's emotional, it's spiritual, it's, it's relational, it's in every aspect of our lives. This is about having, having an attitude that I have strength, but I will surrender it for what God says is better. A horse and that rider, at bridle, bit bridled horse, the horse could fight the rider and it just becomes painful. But as the horse gives in and says, instead of going where I wanna go over here or there, I'll go where the rider directs me. This is is about every aspect of our lives and being submissive to the will of God. So what does this look like in daily life? I think it really kind of comes down to one word in a lot of ways, the word surrender. I think when we talk about the word surrender, when we look back at our passage, it, it says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Now, I think there's a big difference between commitment and surrender. I know that, you know, when we talk about commitment, we, commitment can have varying degrees of investment. Like, are you 10% committed to this idea? Are you 50% committed to the plan? Are you 100% committed to our relationship? But, but what I add to, what I add to, surrender is more about removing myself in this context, removing my will and saying yes to the Lord's will in my life. And so instead of commitment, saying I commit, and I'm, it's just a play on words, but I really, it really stands out to me that I can make a commitment to Jesus and give him a portion of my life. I can add this to my life. I can add these commitments to my life. I'm going to have a commitment to my children, a commitment to them, all these different things, time and all these different energy and all these things. But what's interesting to me, if I say, man, I surrender, that's hands up and I give up. What I want is no longer in effect, is what those in control want. And so I think what's, what's powerful in our lives is when we understand the difference between commitment and surrender, and, and, and the tremendous difference for us as a believer, and as for people who may not even know Jesus, but, but as you become, to become aware as God starts moving in your life to draw you into a relationship with him, or as you grow in it, I think there's a difference also between Savior and Lord. See, we can make a commitment. We we want to call on Jesus to to be our Savior. Get me out of this. Forgive me. I I say, yes, I want want to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity with you. But the surrender requires that we submit to him as Lord as well. Because he can't be Savior and not Lord. Yes, he he died on the cross. Jesus did to, to save you and I from the penalty of our sin. He paid that debt so that we can live in freedom in him. But the surrender to to him as Savior, I mean to him as Lord, it goes hand in hand. It's two sides of the same coin. It means he's in control. We give up our will and say yes to his way, which is so much better than our own anyway. Doing Doing life God's way is so much more impactful and fruitful, not only for us, but for the people around us. We like being in control. And so that surrender part can be very difficult. At least it is for me. It's difficult for me. And so what's some practical applications of this? Like, like what, what, what does this look like? All right, man, I've heard, you know, not weak, but meek. Man, I heard, you know, man, letting God guide my life and saying no, not, not being submissive in it to the degree that, you know, man, I, I'm going to keep my strength under control. But as we talk about how life hurts and difficult things happen to us, The practical application, I think, for all of us, even believers, maybe more especially believers, but anybody. How do we respond when life hurts? Because I promise you it does. I promise you it hurts. So many difficult moments in life. And if you're anything like me, we get hurt and we lash out. We get hurt and and we leave or we do both. Man, speaking to, to the church, you know, wherever you may be watching this video, if you're a part of a local body, man, thank you for being part of the body of Christ and serving and giving and, and investing in that and, and, and sharing your faith and doing those things. But so many times in church, because not only does life hurt, church does too. And so many times in church or in marriage or in relationships or in job setting, we get hurt and we either lash out because we got to let you know that you hurt us or we just leave because you know what? I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And so part of the, the application of meekness is this, and this is so difficult for me to live out and maybe it would be for you as well, suffering wrong without the desire for revenge suffering wrong, being wronged by someone or something and not desiring revenge. Titus three is a great message to the believers today that, that how we relate to people who aren't believers, how we relate to people who, who don't have a relationship with Jesus, people that maybe you're, maybe you're witnessing to them and you're trying to share your faith with them, or maybe, maybe it's just somebody It's a tough relationship and, and, and it's difficult, but Titus chapter three is a great message for how we relate, but, but think about these directions. I'll just read it to you. He says, he's, this is, he's talking to believers. He's talking to disciples of Christ. He says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people, For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures. We were living in malice and envy and hatefulness and detesting one another. See, we used to be that. If if you're in Christ and you have a relationship with him, we used to be that. We used to be deceived, disobedient, foolish, enslaved by various passions and pleasures. But he says, instead, now, now that you have a relationship with Christ, Scripture's so full of how we relate first to God and then to others, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so what he's telling us to do is this, is this is God's word telling us, this is how you live this out as a believer, relating to people who aren't in your in, in the body of Christ, who aren't a part of the family of faith. Uh, uh, another uh, idea of how we respond when life hurts is, is we're not easily provoked by others, See, so many times we want justice. We want righteousness when we've been wrong. Jesus wants us to understand that he is our righteousness. We don't have to fight for that. We don't, I'm not saying don't fight for justice and stand up for the things that are right. I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about lashing out. I'm talking about letting things fester inside of you and being easily provoked that every little thing bothers you as opposed to you submitting those things to Jesus and saying, Lord, I submit to you because you are righteous and you are good. See, we don't have to seek righteousness or justice or payback for ourselves. As we walk with Jesus, we grow to be more like him. We surrender our will to him in these situations and we get to watch him work out those conflicts. I think so many times we can spend time anxious and and, and just worried over the things that are going on in our lives or when people do things that, that frustrate us and make us mad and he or she didn't do, say, or think the thing that they should have and it hurt me, it made me feel bad, or it did this to me. Sometimes those things are very, very difficult because I know that life hurts and I know that that we hurt each other and that's unfortunate. But Jesus is saying, instead of you lashing out and instead of you being provoked so easily and instead of you just confronting these things with anger and malice, he says, I wanna work these things out. And If you'll trust me, if you'll surrender your will to me, this is what I want you to do. When life hurts, Most times Jesus wants to, every time Jesus wants to work that conflict out and most times in ways we can't understand and the result will always be better with him. So this is, this surrender, this is about a complete trust in Christ in every situation. There's no situation or circumstance in your life that that can be left out of this as an asterisk or an, an addendum to this idea of meekness. This is about surrender in every way. This is about you saying yes to Jesus completely, not making a percentage commitment or investment in your relationship with Jesus, but saying, I surrender what I want and I throw my will at your feet. Father, give me your will and help me to live by your word and your spirit. This is a complete trust in him to know that I don't have to fight for righteousness for myself. I don't have to stand up and you wronged me and you did this to me. It doesn't mean that I'm a doormat either. It just means I can stand firmly on God's word and I can communicate things in meekness, not with aggressiveness, not not with with an adversarial attitude. So I think when we do this, the the promise from from God's word is that the blessed, the blessed will be, uh, the meek shall be blessed. So where's the blessing? Matthew 5, 5, he says, the, the blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So let's speak Greek. Makarios is the Greek word for blessing in this passage. This, um, this word, it's, 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 got, it's gonna feel different or sound different to you as we go forward. But so there's this worldly, this Christianese, as a friend said it, uh, this definition that we think of as blessed. We have this idea of blessing that, that we believe that God's going to bestow on us, and, and some of that's just, it's just wrong thinking. And so some of those definitions, when we think about being blessed, blessed are the, the meek. Well, we'll think, man, I'm going to have a nice house, and my bills are going to be paid, my pantry's full of food, man, I got money in the bank. Man, we equate blessings and happiness together, but those two things are very, very different. Think about it this way. I saw this study in this week. Americans especially, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So contradictory to blessings from God, but when he says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it's interesting, out of the country surveyed in regard to citizens' happiness. So they did a worldwide survey of the citizens in every country about their happiness, Now, keep in mind, our motto is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in America. So out of this survey, the United States came in 19th in the world. 19th in the world. Here's here's the, the, the nations that are on top of the list. Finland, Denmark, Norway, Iceland, and the Netherlands. Those are the top five. Basically, wherever it's cold, they're happy. And I don't know, I don't get that, but that's where happiness abounds, apparently. But this isn't about happiness. This is, this is different than that. This is, this is about blessings. And so I think, we, I think we have to go into, how does the Lord describe being blessed? If we're going to surrender our life to him, then we need to know how he defines this. See, it isn't about reward or material blessings. That's not what this is. This isn't about material things. This is not happiness. Depending on my circumstances, well, when my bills are paid and my wife or husband's happy and my kids are doing good in school or whatever the circumstances in your life when everything's going well, that's happiness because everything's kind of going okay. But the moment that life hurts, the moment that difficulty comes, happiness goes out the window. And that's why scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength and why we have to rely on joy we have to rely on, on, on the blessings that come from God that are beyond happiness because blessings don't mean happiness. How does the Lord describe blessed? When we have no need for anything more. When whatever we have is enough, it's, it's kind of a liken maybe to Paul in Philippians 4 when he says, I've had a lot and I've, I've had a little, but I've learned to be content no matter what because Jesus was enough Because God was more than enough for him. Jesus satisfied everything that he needed. He didn't need anything more. I read this this week. One guy said, it's almost like Jesus is saying, congratulations when you live out these beatitudes. Congratulations, because now you're in a position for God to bless you. Now you're in a position because, you've, because you're poor in spirit, because, because, you, because you know what it means to mourn over the sin in your life and, and, the, and the brokenness in our world. And then to our message today, you, the blessed, blessed are the meek. When you're meek, you're prepared for God to move in your life in powerful, powerful ways. And so being blessed, being blessed is being completely satisfied in Jesus. See, we get the earth. That's what it says. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, what does that really mean? Well, we, we get the earth. Uh, it, is a, it is a very real promise from God that we will inherit the earth. But he doesn't mean the earth the way it is today. This broken place that we live. And cool, there's some cool things about the world today, but... But he's not saying, I'm going to give you the earth and you're going to be in charge of it, this earth that you know. See, in Revelation and, and, and uh, when you read further into Scripture in Revelation, you'll see that one day God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth for us to spend eternity with him uh, in, in those settings. And he's promising that one day the meek will be with him in this new earth for eternity, which is going to be really cool. But we have to practice meekness in our walk with Christ today, in our daily life we can't just inherit the earth. This isn't an individual thing that each eight of the Beatitudes all stand out individually. This is an overall overarching attitude of the heart. And when he he says, when you're meek, this is one of the benefits of these components in your life. And so basically what this says is that God will give you, I heard this this week and I just can't shake it. God will give you in eternity what you decide you want here on earth. God will give you an eternity. He says, the meek will inherit the earth. He says, that's your inheritance. I'm gonna give you that in eternity. He says, I'm gonna give you in eternity what you've decided that you want here on earth. And if you want a life without Jesus here, then that's what you'll get in eternity. And that's called hell. That's forever separated from God Forever separated from Jesus with no opportunity to enjoy a relationship with Him. Psalm chapter 37, there's several verses there that, that almost exactly say the same thing as what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5. In this portion of Scripture, says, don't be agitated, starting in verse one. I don't, I'll have these notes up for you in just a minute. I want to really pick up in verse five, but the psalmist says, don't be agitated by evildoers. Don't envy those who do wrong because they wither quickly like grass and they'll wilt like tender green plants. He says, trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. That's what, that's what the psalmist is saying. Trust in the Lord and do what is good dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. What does your heart desire? Have you surrendered your will to the will of the Father, to relationship with Jesus and said, I don't want to do life my way. I want to do it the, the way Jesus says. I want to live by God's word and let his spirit work in and through me so that he can guide me to honor him in everything that I think, do and say. He says, when we do that, he's going to give you your heart's desires and I believe when we're living a life as a disciple of Jesus and we're trusting completely in Jesus and we're completely satisfied by him and we don't want for other things that we we've surrendered our will to him I just believe that our hearts desires are going to line up with his he says and here's what we'll pick up he says commit your way to the lord trust in him and he will act making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday you don't have to take it you don't have to do your own thing look commit your way to the lord Live his way, trust in him, and he will act. He is your defender, he is your protector, he is your provider. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. Righteousness, that's about a right standing with God. That's about you being made right with him. It says, be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly. This is one of my favorite things about this passage. I don't have to be loud and make a big deal out of things. I can be silent before the Lord. And I can wait expectantly for him. Not for him to move, but for him. Because he's enough. Don't be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Don't be agitated. It only brings harm. This is about surrender. The greatest blessing is found in surrender. And so I want to tell you today that The greatest surrender that mankind has ever seen is when Jesus gave his life on the cross. He surrendered himself to the penalty of sin, paying that debt for you and I, so that if we would walk in him and let him take the reins of our life, like that horse we mentioned earlier, that he'll guide us and take us to the places that honor him and are good for us. And so I'm gonna ask you today, maybe, maybe you haven't ever made that decision to surrender your life to Jesus and say, in eternity and in this life, I don't want what I want. I want what Jesus wants for my life and I wanna com- completely surrender to him and lay my will down at his feet. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. It's a simple prayer just to, to, to confess your sin, to, to, to let Jesus know that you're a sinner to tell him that you accept this forgiveness that he has offered through the Christ, through, his, through the cross, through his blood on the cross, and that you want to live the rest of your life in submission to him and see him work powerfully in your life, man. We want to celebrate with you if you made that decision today. We want to celebrate with you if you're a follower of Christ. You got a relationship with Jesus and you're struggling because you lash out. You wanna you wanna you wanna be the one to defend yourself. You wanna you wanna do your own thing. You wanna. You want to stand up for yourself. You want to, you want to get revenge when people wrong you. Man, I'm, I would ask you, actually, I wouldn't ask you. Jesus would say to you today, if you'll submit and walk in meekness today, that he has plans for your life that you can't even begin to understand. So today, the greatest blessing is, in, is found in surrender. Would you surrender your life to him today and walk in meekness and let the Lord lead your life? Hey, if you made a decision today or you'd like to share some information with us about how this message touched your heart, there's going to be a slide following right here with some uh, ways you can connect with us. We'd love to hear from you and be a resource for you and encourage you. Thank you for joining us in our time today. God bless you.